Hi guys, welcome back to the second episode of the Fight Podcast with Shari Richman. Hello. And with me, Jan. Hi. How Last you episode, we talked a little about the idea of pressure in uh, training and how it's important to, to achieve like a reality-based um, training environment. And we wanted to dive a little deeper into that topic in this episode today. So first of all, how is training with pressure something that you need in uh, a system that is dealing with everyday threats not not in a cage why is it important to do it with pressure well you need it in both you need it in the cage of course as well because in the cage or in the ring there's a lot of pressure so if, if we start with that yeah of course you need to you know basically sparring is also considered training under pressure it, it, it answers both elements that you need for training under pressure so it's important uh, in the cage as well, but even more important in a street fight where you might, or any fight where you might have to save your own life or the life of the people around you. Okay? Why is it so important? Because the, you're, like we, we spoke about this, if you remember, the technical capability of a person drops by at least 50% under pressure. So if you're not used to that kind of, of, of uh, pressure, of feeling, and all you do is practice theoretical techniques, you're in for a big surprise in a real fight when you can't even remember your own name. That is why it's so important to train under pressure, to get used to that feeling and still keep moving forward and still be able to cope with the pressure and still be effective in the fight. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important. So it's, it's imp basically the same idea as an MMA. It's you important, need it's the pressure. It's important for MMA as well, mm -hmm. but it's even more important for a, a real fight scenario where your life depends on it. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what's the worst thing that could happen if you lose an MMA fight or any other full contact kind of fight? Is uh, it go bad on your record or something like that? You get hurt, but it's, it's not life-threatening usually. It's fun to lose, obviously, but mm -hmm. you could always, as you know, people say, it's a learning experience, you know, I, I use that a lot. And when my guys lose, you know, eh, you know, at least you learn from this and move <laughs> forward. It's never fun to lose. But you cannot afford to lose a street fight. Yeah. You also, I think uh, when we talked earlier, you, you, you told me about one of your students. And when um, back in the day when he was way younger, he had this like one of his first big matches in MMA. And the guy took his back. And that was the reason why he tapped out in, in the end. And you said in, in later fights, no one would ever get his back because yeah. that's such a bad memory that's, that's the best thing that him. happened to him because yeah. since then he he took it into uh, so he he's like okay no one's ever do that to me again mm -hmm. and now it's it's almost impossible to, to 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 stay on his back you know he's really comfortable there he's looking out for it as well I mean, he's, he even like here take my back you know <laughs> go ahead you know because he's that's, he's done it uh, over and over and over and over and over again since then so yeah you It's a good example of learning from, from a, from a, from a, from a loss. But let's say uh, take a scenario when uh, someone att attacks you with a knife and uh, he stabs you 50 times in your chest. Uh, I don't think you'll come back for another class of learning something from that loss. <laughs> That's know? the last lesson you learned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, I mean, uh, the parents might learn something, you know. <laughs> But you know, so. Uh, Uh, in the street, it's even more important that element. But it's important in any any aspect of of a full contact and any aspect of any job that 
you need to be being able to do it under pressure. Mm-hmm. Any kind of job that you have pressure when you do it, you have to train it that way. You know, I mean, uh, any topic that you have pressure, uh, it all comes down to how good are you under that kind of pressure. You're, you're good for nothing if you only can do it, you know, in laboratory-based uh, uh, area. If, if, if you're not able to cope when it gets bad, so you're not, your skill is really lacking. Mm-hmm. It's the same as with uh, we talked about this with technique. It's the 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 fighter in the cage has to know all of these things, but in the streets they become more relevant even to the to the thing because it's about survival. It's about making it, yeah, um, and not just about not, not just about, but it's not about winning the thing. It's about surviving the thing. Exactly. So it's exactly. a different scenario. You have exactly. to have at least this amount, and um, so the idea I think is for for learning, for being introduced to these ideas, to being introduced to some techniques because something you have to learn. Um, it's it's good to have things like light sparring or to be introduced to these techniques under low pressure situations. But then you have to you have to adapt the level. You have to you have to uh, go up in in intensity because then it gets drawn into your yeah. like your muscle memory how, kind how, of. Like how hard should you spar is another interesting topic. I mean. Mm-hmm. We could also spend like an hour talking about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a very big believer in hard sparring. Uh, we do it sometimes, you know, because boys will be boys. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, you know, sparring should be not, you know, it's not a fight. It's sparring. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called sparring, you know. But yeah, there's, there's uh, sparring is one of the, one of the best ways for training under pressure. Also, there's different schools of thought on on how you. Some people use it to 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 become more resilient, I, th- I guess, like hard sparring. Some others say, for instance, I, I heard that uh, in Muay Thai, oftentimes people um, spar very lightly, but they have a lot of competitions. So each and every weekend, pretty much, there's there's hard sparring in your competition. It's yeah. it's not sparring anymore, but it's you're used to the to the pressure because you have so many competitions. Yeah. So I think, especially in in in, uh, in some European uh, um, uh, like kickboxing or Muay Thai areas, it's more hard sparring to to get more resilient to getting hit. But the issue is there's way there's there's a way ha- higher with, chance. The issue with hard sparring is injuries. Yeah, that's what. I, yeah. So like, okay, if you're a a, a professional fighter mm-hmm. and you get injured in in your training camp, you're good for nothing, right? Um, if you get knocked out every day, it's not very healthy. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, every knockout basically that you receive brings the next, the next knockout closer. It's easier, like the yeah. glass chin thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you have to be careful uh, when you spar. You definitely have to be careful not to go too hard. I think when you go 100%, uh, it's uh, two options. If, if I'm going to go 100%, I'm talking about without gear, without a helmet on, mm-hmm. without a protective vest. 100% it's either in the street or in the ring. But not when you spar because there's no way you go 100% and no one's coming out injured. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to go 100%, people are going to get hurt. So it should be either in the street or in the ring, but not in a in a training environment. Let me ask you when when you work with the with the military, do you also consider this because there's a lot of I've seen this in ICCS appear a lot of times the the aggression drills. Yeah, there's aggression drills, but they're not sparring. Mm-hmm. Aggression drills are not sparring. Sparring is a good drill for aggression as well, but I, I don't call it an aggression drill. Sparring is a is a, is a pressure drill. 
mm-hmm. right? It's like fast chess, you know. I mean, you have to think under pressure. You have to think about 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 protecting yourself. Think about attacking. Great drill, but it's not an aggressive drill like that mm-hmm. because of the danger for injuries. This is my opinion, of course. Could you talk about how how do you or how did you came up with the with the concept of the uh, of the aggression drills that well, you we use call it, and we why call it, we call it warrior development drills. Mm-hmm. And warrior, warrior development drills are drills uh, designed to ensure that uh, the person doesn't uh, freeze in a real fight and he's able to think under pressure and uh, and be effective under pressure. Mm-hmm. That's why that's that's what they're there for, and also getting used to the fatigue of working yeah, in this environment. Part of it, part of it is getting you know getting your body used to the fact that you're feeling like crap now, but you're still moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's not about putting you in shape. That's not the idea, right? If I have a, if I'm preparing someone for for a cage fight, you know, usually it's like three months in advance. We start really training for it, you know, with with. Uh, training and sleep and food and all that that's for the mma that's gym. for the mma okay. and you know he starts training for it and it's a big 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 aspect of, of conditioning it's the most important thing in an mma fight mm-hmm. is a conditioning but when i'm training uh someone for the street the um, i mean the biggest emphasis is not on his conditioning conditioning of course is always important but it's on the mindset and the and the aggression the controlled mm-hmm. aggression i should say That's the biggest aspect. So the idea is being so able... So the warrior development drills are... Mm-hmm. They're, they're very tiring drills. I mean, you've done some of them. Uh, I know you felt them. and uh, But um, they're very tiring drills. But I'm not there to get them in shape. That's not my job. You asked about the military. When I'm instructing in the military, I'm not a fitness coach in the military. I'm a combat instructor. It's not my job to get them in, in shape. If he's not in shape, that's not my problem. Mm-hmm. You know? Your job is to make the best yeah, of what you have to, there. Is to turn him into a warrior. Mm-hmm. That's my job, and uh, part of it, a big part of it, is the warrior development drills. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, they're very good drills, and they're designed specifically for that. And we keep making them better. This is years of years of experience. These drills, you know. So if you look at um, systems who are focusing on maybe just technical aspects of fighting, like, okay, I'll show you like two different techniques. Those work in, in like, I know one, one of uh, the instructors called it the, the two-dimensional space of like the training facility. Like there's, there's no rough stuff on the, on the ground. You can't slip. There's, there's uh, pads everywhere. Um, there's people watching. Everything is kind of... That's theoretical. It's styled Theor- down. It's yeah, yeah, it's, theoretical. Theoretical. it's a waste of time if you do just that. Mm-hmm. Right? If you do just that, it's a big waste of time. Because the bottom line is how are you under pressure? That's what the bottom line is, I think, in everything in life. Not just fighting. Mm-hmm. Right? You want to get to know someone, put him in a, in a bad spot. Put him under pressure. And then, you, then the real personality comes out of the person. The real thing comes out. The real him mm-hmm. or her. You know? So, yeah. So the idea is, if you lack this, the, the idea is not to have every single training unit designed as something where you're under pressure the whole time. The idea to have uh, the idea is to have some of it to get people used to it. That's the idea. How uh, how we go by doing this? So let's say we we have a topic, uh, like in, let's say a knife attack, dealing mm-hmm. with a knife attack. Okay, so the first thing uh, we'll do is we'll we'll go over the principles of a knife attack because that is the most important thing. Right, dealing with knife attack, the principles. Afterwards, I'm going to show them the technique, 
And they do it a few times. We do it slow, not slow motion, but we start slowly and we mm-hmm. speed up a little bit, go a little faster, a little faster, a little faster. Once we believe that they got the technique down and they understand the principles that I keep repeating like every three seconds, it's time to put it under to a test under pressure. That means now the person who's getting stabbed in training is going gonna, is gonna to start training in the state of, of fatigue, his heart rate's crazy, and his partner is really, really going at it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> really going at it. And uh, another beautiful thing about training under pressure is that it gives the coach, the instructor, a chance to see if he explained it correctly. Mm-hmm. Because what you're looking for in the student is not perfect technique, but you're looking to see that he understood the principles and he's applying them in the fight because the technique is irrelevant. It's never going to be exactly how you asked him to do it anyway. But you want to look at and see, oh, he understood the principles mm-hmm. of this topic. Unless he understood the principles of knife or of, of dealing with chokes or multiple opponents or anything else. Mm-hmm. I see how he understood the principles. But if you see that he's tra- after he's with the pressure and he's getting attacked full force, he's being irrelevant at all. He didn't understand the principles. You did a bad job as an instructor. Do it again. Mm-hmm. So you don't put the blame on the, the no, person who no, failed no. the task. Yeah. No, you, you probably if he if he failed the task, it's probably your fault as an instructor. Um, do it again. Again, listen. Here's the principles. Let's try it again. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you think of? I've seen this one training method or like scenario where they they put. I think like three or four stations behind each other. Like you had to go underneath like a bridge or something. There were like four stations. At first, someone with a bat came out and attacked you. Then, then there were people with knives. And then there were like three people with vests and stuff. And people had to to pass through. So the, the idea here is to, to have people um, used to these different uh, sorts. But the, the, the issue with this is a person doesn't develop this idea of I would never I go. Didn't, I didn't see that, so I, I mm-hmm. can't give an opinion on it. Like, I don't know what, what you're talking about, but, uh, I mean, I can imagine it in my head. Like, it's very artificial thing. I think it's, that's what uh, I mean. I think it's nonsense. If, if The way you're imagining it, and I'm imagining it now, again, because people get the concept of training under pressure wrong. Mm-hmm. That's why it happens. Oh, how can we make this, uh, you know, into so something so sexy, whatever, go crawl under this, crawl on that. What difference does it make? how much I crawl or roll or jump through fire hoops. If the partner at the end with the holding the stick or the knife attacks me like a, like a Barbie doll mm-hmm. and lets me do the technique, what difference does that make? Like I said uh, last podcast, you have to have two elements for training under pressure. Without these two together, it's not real pressure training. Mm-hmm. It's choreographed. And don't make a mistake if you see a guy who's going really, really fast and he's sweating and everything. If his if his trainer partner is not resisting, it's still choreographed. It's mm-hmm. just fast. Okay, anything you do as fast as you could, you sweat. It doesn't matter what, you know? <laughs> because so, it's yeah, it's yeah. training. Yeah, exactly. So, so two elements, and this is important. So I'll repeat it again. Number one, of course, before the drill starts, the heart rate already has to be up. Right. He has to be already in a state of like fatigue because that simulates pressure and fear. Okay. And number two, a lot of people get to number one. So a lot of people who places where they train, they, yeah, they do stuff really fast, get you tired. But then the number two part is you got to have your partner resisting to whatever you're trying to do. He's trying to make you look bad. 
people don't get that part. People help each other. You know, okay, here's a knife attack. Here's the, the whatever, a tackle. And, and he lets you do whatever. Because he knows what you're trying to do because he trained with you. He's your training partner. Same class as you. He's trying to make you look good. That's a problem. Which is a nice thing in theory, but not for no, training It's not a nice things. thing at all because you're being a bad training partner. <laughs> yeah. Right? I always tell, when I do the knife, for example, I say, listen, these guys are doing the drill. It means they're fighting against a knife attack. But I tell to the people who are stabbing, you're practicing your aggression too. Did you ever stab anyone? Of course, everyone says no. I say, okay, now it's your chance to practice that. You are there to make them look bad. You are training too. It's not he's training, then you're training, and during that time. No, everyone's always training. Mm -hmm. So when you're the bad guy, right, because you had a knife in your hand or whatever the scenario may be, you are training your aggression to stick a knife into someone, for example. Mm -hmm. And that's your job, not to make him look good. If you train with those two elements in that mindset, A, you're really training under pressure, and B, you're training the whole class all the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. Because, you know, that fact that, you know, knife training or multiple opponents, all that, you know, that's also that also builds, builds aggression in both sides. It's very important. And that the second part is where people uh, usually mess up with. Mm -hmm. if, if, if you're able to stop a knife attack... Most of the times when someone attacks you, it just means that your partners are being too nice with you. It doesn't mean that you could really stop a knife in a real fight. It just means that you're playing a game in the gym. Mm -hmm. Because I know that if someone comes full force, I'm my, you'll get stabbed, I'll get stabbed. It's how it is. Until, until you're able to fight. It's how it is. It's how it is. So if, 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 you're, if you have too much success, your partner is being too nice to you. Also, it's important to to realize that some of the things that may perhaps be you you might agree on certain things, especially for um, not even consciously, but like let's say for knife attacks, you might agree. Okay, I'll attack you from the front. But I know that uh, if one one of the pressure drills, um, there were two guys who used to stand behind me to wait their turn, and then they would try to stick the knife in my neck. And this is something where maybe other people would consider that like a like a bad sportman, sportsmanship or, or something like that. But it's it's important to realize this is an issue you might run into. So having seen this before is something that might in in reality make a big difference. So it's not about okay, you can you can defend everything. You you need to yeah, get away yeah, from this it, mindset. There's, a, there's an like, instructor. He's in uh, ICCS. A great guy, great great friend. Um, first time I met him and was in a seminar, I came over to his country. I gave a seminar. It was a two-day seminar. And he was already an instructor, and his friend was an ICCS instructor. He invited him over to the seminar. Mm -hmm. So he came. He was here for the first day, and we, we did a, we did a striking, was boxing, and we did knife. And he didn't come back the second day. I thought maybe he didn't like it, whatever. But then we, after the seminar, I speak to him. He said he couldn't leave the hotel room. He was too upset of what he saw because this guy was already I think doing crowd for like 15 years and he told me listen before I met you I was 100% positive that I could stop a knife attack because mm -hmm. that's what my instructors told me and then when I met you I got stabbed by a 15 year old kid in training easily so I don't know the kind of training he was doing before but obviously it wasn't real training mm -hmm. you know so now, I mean, it's years ago, now he's already an ICC instructor. I mean, he has his own his own club even. A great guy. But that's a, a good example. 
when you see it, you know, uh, I, I brought a, a group of a, a craft people over to Israel once to my gym for a course. They were All of them were instructors. And I said, all right, we're practicing some knife. Uh, and I took a rubber knife. Uh, I said, okay, who thinks you could stop a knife? They said, yeah, we could stop a knife. Uh, of course, I killed them all <laughs> easily. And then they said, oh, yeah, but, you know, you're so strong or, or, or you know what you're doing, even though I just stabbed them like a maniac. I didn't do any anything special. I said, okay, I know what I'm doing. Fine. I go over to my neighbor's. It was a swimming pool. There's a cleaner guy, a very nice guy. Uh, he cleans the pool, and he never had any martial arts experience in his life. I said to him, hey, uh, you feel like stabbing some people? He's like, yeah. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, why not? I said, hey, here's a rubber knife. Normal, uh, normal question to, to yeah. ask. <laughs> so this guy never trained, and he said, oh, whatever, I'll just do it. He went in there, and, of course, he made them all look like idiots. Why? Because there was no agreements. He, he I said, hey, what's your, he said, what are you supposed to do? I said, stab him as hard as he could. He said, okay. He didn't know who they are. He wasn't looking at, at their stripes. Oh, these guys are instructors or whatever. He was just looking at them like a bunch of idiots who want to get stabbed. And that's exactly what happened because there's no agreements. You know, and, and, and because they, before that day, they never trained with resistance. Mm -hmm. They thought they did maybe, but they never did. You know, so again, uh, training under pressure is everything in reality fighting. And reality fighting is cage fighting is a real fight. Street fighting is a real fight. But it's, it's, that's what it is. If you're combat not, is real fight. Combat. Yeah. Fight is a fight. If you're not able to do it under pressure, you're not able to do it at all. I don't care how you do it. Slow motion. Shooting the same way. Mm -hmm. Same exact way. If you're able to put a bullet in a target, you know, when you're taking 20, 30 seconds to, put, to shoot... With your with your with your handgun, great, but that's sports shooting. Competition shooting. That's not uh, a combat. When you when a guy's running at you, two meters away, and you have to put five bullets in him as fast as you can, that's a different scenario. That's pressure. Same thing. Same thing. It all comes down to how good can you shoot under pressure. Mm -hmm. How good can you fight under pressure? You know that's that's why the the war development drills are so important. Yeah, and it also makes you more comfortable in situation of pressure because I've you're getting seen, used to it. You used to that. Yeah. You're used to that feeling. Yeah, you, it's not new for you. Yeah, it's not the first time you yeah. experience pressure. Also, in the, you, in the you used to so that that feeling of, of fatigue when you can't breathe. What happens is a lot of times you know you make people run uh, for a minute or whatever, and then they already when the drill starts they can't really breathe, and then a guy starts attacking them, being all aggressive, and what happens is they get nervous from the fact that they're not breathing well. Mm. And then you know they get they don't feel prepared. they get screwed mentally first before they get physically, mm -hmm. you know. But when you get used to that, that you're tired and everything is okay, you know, it's also mentally easier for you because you you ha it's not new for you that feeling of of uh, of shortness of breath and all that. Also, when I, I see when I introduce beginner students to like a pressure situation, and we haven't really or they're new to this concept. Um, an issue that I see oftentimes is when do I when do I strike when do I perform when do I kind of get the things going that I've learned so far and I think that's something where when you're used to this pressure it's easier to to decide these things because you feel calmer for a longer period of time into the conflict and I think that's important for for also making making the right decisions under pressure because right. you're, you're getting used to this idea of <clears throat> fighting is not really a 
preventative thing. It's something you do in the moment. And I think that's where a lot of people get this wrong. Like, I do this, I don't get hurt at all. It's 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 not like yeah, this. It doesn't wrong. work it's like trading this. with agreements. That's that's exactly the biggest problem with with reality based trading. Is that is that is that thing? Mm-hmm. They you know they're getting people a bad a bad habit. Okay, I do A, you do B, and you know, and that, and that's what's supposed to happen. That never happens that way. You do A, I do A back right at you, and I resist, and then a fight starts. Mm-hmm. Your initial technique, I think hardly ever works. That means the first thing you try to do hardly ever works. You also, should be also, prepared also for in, that. In wrestling, right? First takedown attempt, whatever, you know, there's always a kind of like a, a fight. It doesn't work. What makes you good is your ability to flow between position and position. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. Boom, I do something else. Same thing on the ground. Same thing when you strike, right? You know, th- your ability to flow between position to position fast makes you good. And every uh, person who does full contact understands that. Mm-hmm. They don't expect it to work right away. But then, sadly, in reality-based training systems, self-defense systems, there's one solution, this should work, and there you go. And they never resist. So they can't flow between anything mm-hmm. just because they don't train under pressure and they don't uh, train correctly. That's very sad. So you think the issue with non-pressure-based training that is supposed to prepare you for real-world scenarios is if you're one solution to the problem you've learned or let's say you have eight different solutions from eight different angles whatever it doesn't work one of them one of them doesn't work there's nothing left there there's nothing left because you can't fight right the, the, nothing ever works the first attempt mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's why you have to be able to flow that's why you have to do a lot of sparring a lot of grappling a lot of wrestling a lot of worry development drills it's it's as simple as that, you know? And it's a problem with reality-based trading. It's like, okay, here's your solution. You know, but it's not baking a cake, mm-hmm. you know? I was thinking, um, because we, <coughs> we talked about this some time ago, um, where you said when you work for the military, you have a, like a limited time you have with a recruit to, to prepare them for hand-to-hand combat. And with people in your gym or with ICCS, maybe they're like indefinitely uh, uh, w- training with you. Maybe they're working f- with you for like 12 years. Maybe they just stay. Like it's it's a thing that, that continues on. And um, how do you make this decision? How, how do you boil things down to say, okay, this is what you have to know. This is what you should know if you really want to be able to fight. But how do you decide which things under pressure are more important than under things under pressure? In the military? Yeah, how do you boil that program? Like, like how do you prepare these people in, in, in a way that it's <clears throat> effective enough without having the same amount of time? So I work on the mindset. Mm-hmm. And I know if the guy has a strong enough mindset and he follows the principles and he has strong fundamentals, we work on that a lot, it's very hard to beat a guy like that. A guy who is <clears throat> designed and educated that losing is not an option, he's always he's going to win. He'll find a way to win. Mm-hmm. I work a lot on the mind, a lot, and through warrior development rules. So that's what you say with, um, I think you said that in the first episode as well, there's warriors and there's victims. I, th- I think you yes, said something yes, along those yes, lines. Yeah, exactly. And the idea is <clears throat> if you already have someone who qualifies as someone you you would call a warrior then the the amount of stuff you have to teach that person to 
be a relatively effective fighter is not that technically based. It's more like, okay, I have to prepare you to it's, use it's, this. It's principle-based. Mm -hmm. And then you have your basics, of course, and then just go forward, go forward, go forward all the time, you know? It's a, it's a lot of word development drills, mm -hmm. a lot of mindset, and a little bit technique. But that takes them far in a real fight. Sure. That takes them far in a real fight because they're, oh, I mean, they go forward and they have no doubt about what their goal is to destroy the enemy. Mm -hmm. And they'll do what it takes. So that, that's a that's a big difference. I don't have 15 years with him, you know, to work his technique. Afterwards, yeah, you know, if you have time to work, you know, the more the better. But the, that basic uh, course, that basic training, that's what it's all about. Like the introduction, maybe, yeah. yeah. And so with ICCS, for instance, or in general, if you prepare people who are either in law enforcement and want to stay there and, and repeatedly take uh, classes or... In, in civilian life and people come and in, in search for also also in civilian life you know uh, everyone could walk into your gym mm -hmm. so I mean if you and people have a, the wrong idea of what self-defense classes are because you've seen it on YouTube or seen it in a movie and let's say he wants to go try a Krav Maga class mm -hmm. and he comes in or she comes into the class and they're no fighters at all they're, they never fought in their life they, they don't even know what they're getting into and they're not even looking to fight. They yeah, want they, to they have know. this yeah, magic they, thing. Yeah, they want. Yeah, they, we we have a problem with our confidence or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they come into your class, and the first time they come in, you put them through a word development drill. They're never coming back to your class again. They'll go like, "These people are crazy, and we're out of here." Mm -hmm. So you have to build it slowly. And uh, you know, I've been doing it. I've been doing it for many years. It's very possible you build it slowly, slowly, slowly until they get to that. That level of, of, of confidence and aggression, they don't even realize the change in them. But in the military, you don't have that time. So, But the difference is, in the military, the people who come to the class, they're already weeded out from the other people. So mm -hmm. I know they all have a very strong mindset, otherwise they would never be in the class in the first place. So I could just go right into it. That's, that's a big difference. All of them went through a tryouts, every single one of them. Every single one of them went through a, a, a psychology uh, a test. Every single one of them went through a physical test. Every single one of them is, is, is watched 24-7 uh, by, by people, uh, constantly reading him his every single move. So I know that I could put him through something that maybe you could also put uh, another person through, but with a longer training period. Mm -hmm. getting, they, they can't jump right into that it. That person's already there where you He's have there, to prepare yeah, the exactly. people. Okay, so the idea is with ICCS, for instance, people don't just jump into, okay, no, 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 of course not. going to bash not. our heads in. This is not what we, we what no, just start we're with. Not, no, we build it up very slowly. It's a whole system for that. You know, mm. We build it up slowly. Professional uh, people do it. Um, and it, that's how it's done. It took me, uh, we have a, a, a women's group, for example. Um, don't want to train with men for, for different reasons you know some of them have been attacked uh, it takes them time mm -hmm. twice a week and uh, it takes about six to eight months for the first word development drill to do mm -hmm. we build it up slowly there's no rush and until then it's mostly we build it up slowly yeah we're building towards it so by the time we get there they're already doing it out, and they don't even notice the change but they're mm -hmm. already doing it by themselves mm. yeah so it's very, very it's, it's, a, it's a subtle way to prepare. And then you, you have the reward of, and I think that's important, you have the reward of noticing that under these certain circumstances you're still able to perform. 
Exactly. I think that's very important because that gives you feedback. And I think that's a big issue with, I've seen some like uh, security cam or like with, 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 uh, with, with phones, they, they filmed uh, some people arguing and stuff. And, and, and I've, it's, it's not common, but I've seen sometimes one of the people being like, uh, you should stay there. I, I should warn you, whatever, like these things that, that they uh, said in like nineties uh, action movies, like, uh, I'm registered to kill and whatever, like the, these, 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 these empty threats. And I think the issue is with a lot of these people, they, they are told under these no pressure, Uh, things they're told that they're so dangerous if once they go red and they they just they just keep on bashing whatever and they have this idea of okay i can just switch this on and off i've never done it but i can and then i'm really dangerous and because they're not you used, can't learn how to fight on a powerpoint presentation <laughs> it has to be hands-on you can't learn to swim from youtube exactly it has to be hands-on and it has, has, has yeah you train your technique but if you're training with agreement you're not training reality-based fighting and again reality being the cage or the street mm -hmm. there has to be resistance when you train mm -hmm. and 100 resistance too not 100 sparring notice but 100 resistance for anything you try to do right you learn you teach uh, an arm bar okay you go slowly through the technique of course you know get your hip out you know whenever your leg goes here your hip goes here his hand goes here but afterwards what you grapple and then he doesn't give you the arm bar mm -hmm. Only then you learn how to really the timing to take it. Yeah, sure. Right? It's important. And yeah, you can't learn if you do it slowly, slowly, slowly. And also how to improvise yeah, to of get course, it. Yeah. Of course, if you do it slowly and the first time, some people are like that, you know, they're a little bit of a-holes that way. They resist you right away. The guy never did it before, but he's always like, hey, look, it doesn't work. He's not able to do it. I mean, of course, you, you know, you, he never done it before. He knows what you're about. You know what he's about to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you build this slowly, but then it's grapple. You know, no, it's time. It's time to grapple. There's also, especially in wrestling, there's techniques that don't work if you don't apply pressure. Snap exactly. down, take down, exactly. for instance. You can't exactly. do that if you don't have pressure in this. Right. So, yeah. That's a... Also, I think a very important thing that um, training with this amount of pressure offers you is being humbled. Because if you're running around thinking you're hot shit and, and now you're confronted with someone who has some proper experience fighting, then that person feels comfortable. I always say, uh, when I teach a knife, for example, I say, Lisa, I'm not here to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. I'm here to uh, make you respect the knife. And I always say, hey, none of you could stop a knife attack. None of you. It's about minimizing so damage. Now, yeah. So now, they, when you understand that, you also know what to be careful of. You don't have this false confidence that can get you killed. Mm -hmm. so, okay, I know how dangerous it is. That's one more reason why you don't want to fight. Mm -hmm. And why avoiding a fight and de-escalating and situational awareness and all that is so important. And why it's worth doing, yeah. Because you know what you can get yourself into. Mm-hmm. If you think you're a hotshot, you know, the other person who has a knife, he doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know what you train twice a week, you know. And you so, shouldn't tell. That's also a thing that yeah. I saw. I'm, I'm trained in whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, easy tiger. That, that defers. the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Also, it's it's about if you if you're constantly training, I think that's a, a, a big thing with most combative uh, combat sports. If you train against people who are way better than you then you're always staying humble. You're not like, okay, I can kick anybody's ass. It's like you, you have a real yeah, approach to Because you have to, to put fighting. your money where your mouth is. Yeah. And because of that, it's a humbling experience. You know, uh, you see that a lot, you know, in full contact with sports. You know, people are more humble because, you know, you're going to talk too much. 
Let's go, yeah. Let's do it, you know. But only in the world of self-defense, you know, you have people who say, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the meanest, leanest person on the planet. And they never have to prove themselves because all they do is the- theoretical stuff. There's no one to check yeah, them. Yeah, yeah I, I could stop a knife. Okay, no one's going to actually stab you, obviously. Mm. Well, I'm doing some of that. Okay, but imagine going into a, an MMA gym or a jiu-jitsu gym and saying, you know, I'm a world champion. There'll be a line at the door waiting to fight you just because they don't really want to beat you. They want to, you know, they want to challenge themselves. Mm-hmm. Because in their mind, they're all competitors, you know. So you, you, you can't get away with that, you know, uh, in, in combat sports. Yeah. I've heard that with people who have high belts in some grappling sports um, who said, okay, I'm annoyed by the level that I have because sometimes I just go to a gym just, just to train a little, like a, like a stranger's gym and um, just open mad things. And everyone who's just a grade below them, a belt below them, but even those who are like two or three belts below them, they want to they wanna kick their asses because it's like proving themselves. Okay, yeah. we, we fought against someone. We, we caught someone in like an armbar, for instance, who's yeah. like three levels above us. And that makes for, like, not street cred, but it's like, okay, I did this thing. Yeah, I've seen and a lot of people, on the other hand, who, who uh, say, oh, we're uh, reality-based fighting, you know, we're street, we do street stuff, and we never spar because we kill people. Mm, it's so dangerous. Yeah, we, we do. don't spar, we can't spar, we do dirty stuff. Come on, man, who are you kidding? <laughs> you know, if it, do, if it doesn't work in this in ring, if you can't, it's not going to work in the street. You know, and, and if, if you don't spar, what does that tell me? All you do is theoretically think all the time. You may be hitting the pads or stuff like that, but you never, you don't punch each other in the face. I mean, that's the most basic thing in fighting is getting used to hitting people or getting used to getting it. Yeah. You know? But let me ask you something, especially with, like, you just talked about these dirty tricks. Um, when we grappled, especially with a knife, for instance, we never did stuff like put eyes out yes, or because something. you have it's to stay, like, uh, stay healthy for the next training session, obviously. So the idea is to go like 70% but, or something. Yeah, but, but it's, of you course, never train you, all of it. You can't. You go 100%. I said you go 100%, it's either a real fight or a ring fight. You mm-hmm. know, like a street fight or a ring fight. Uh, they're both real. But uh, uh, yeah, you're not going to put a finger in someone's eye in training, obviously. You know? And by the way, you don't put a finger in someone's eye in training, you know, sometimes you don't even have that habit in the street. Right? You have to work on position... You have to be an expert on positions in the street fight, on the ground I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If you want to be able to stand up again, you have to be an expert on positions. How otherwise, how are you going to stand up? Mm-hmm. You know? And so the idea is to get as close to a real fight as safely possible. Right, exactly. Close to a real fight is not as if you're hitting someone's eye or hitting pads. Mm-hmm. It's actual fighting. Mm-hmm. Physically, you know, fighting. Also, I think um, with these... If you, if you train in scenarios, when you when you talk about how would you approach someone in, you, you just draw up some sort of scenario, how would you approach it? It's important that people stay loose with it because uh, getting creative with how you would approach it is something that you could do if you're used to the pressure. If you're scared for your life, there's very little of, of your... Um, of your thinking capabilities yeah. still intact when you're under so much adrenaline. So I think it's important to get people used to all of this so they're more loose with the situation. A lot of people that do tra- scenario training, they're basically playing games. Like, like dress up. Uh, yeah, dress up games. It's yeah. not really. Uh, yeah, there's no pressure. Again, if there's no pressure, if there's no resistance, you're not training. Mm-hmm. You're playing. Just playing a game, you know, or toy soldiers or something. But it's, it's a waste of time. To a big extent, it's a waste of time. Put the gloves on and hit each other in the face. That will get you ready for any scenario. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Train under pressure. That will get. We do scenario trainings as well. But if we do scenario training, the guy who's doing the scenario, he comes in when he's already really tired. And then he actually gets attacked. I mean, really, he gets, you know, he gets he gets smashed. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's scenario training, you know? And for the for the whole grappling aspect, because this is something that um, people from the like self defense community might say, um, especially in in uh, in MMA, for instance, a lot of the fighting takes place on the ground, and this might make sense when you're one v one, but uh, something that appears a lot of the time in in these like in forums and stuff is the idea that I would never go down to the ground, man, because I don't want to be kicked by the next dude. And the issue with that, because you train a lot of grappling, right. why do you do it? First of all, if you don't want to go down to the ground, you better know wrestling and grappling. How else are you going to? Uh, how else are you going to stop the guy from taking you down? How are you going to stop him? And if you're on the ground, if you're not an expert in escaping positions, how are you going to stand up again? Mm-hmm. Right. If one person wants to go to the ground, usually you go to the ground. Especially if you're not, if you have zero knowledge in wrestling. So the more you grapple. The more you wrestle, the less of a chance of being on the ground you have, right? And also, you'll be able to stand up much faster. Um, but that's that's just the reality of it. Yeah, it's not good to train just the ground, and that's uh, one of the, I think, one of the issues I have with uh, the grappling arts. Mm-hmm. That that they um, useful to an extent. Useful to an extent, and also that they accept the fact that they're on their back. Mm-hmm. They accept it. Okay, now he has top position, I have bottom position. Let's, you know, bump our fists and let's fight. Mm-hmm. Which is a great sport, but it gives you a very bad habit of staying on of your stay- back. Yeah, we never accept the fact that we're on our back. Never. We'll do everything in our power to stand back up again. By the way, when you when you when you when you fight a guy who who has that attitude and then a guy who has a grappling attitude, you see that the grappler has a problem keeping on. You know, he has a problem keeping the guy on his back because mm-hmm. he's always standing up like a cork. You know. Um, that's that's a you know that's a problem with with grappling arts that mentality, you know one of the problems. So you have to have the mix of all. But saying oh we don't do ground because we don't go to the ground is total nonsense. Especially when you have to think about someone who might want to take you to the ground it's might feel it's comfortable not up on to the you. ground. No one asking you. You're going yeah. to the ground, buddy. Let's go. And especially it's it, it it's probably the field where someone else feels comfortable. Why else should that person? Take it's not you down? only that. It, it doesn't. You lose your balance a lot. When you fight because people throw big punches. Mm-hmm. Not even you. Maybe you're a boxer and you throw good hips and all that. But a guy uh, a guy in front of you is a little drunk. He throws big haymakers. He loses the balance. He falls right on top of you. That's one thing. People slip. You know, the floor is wet. Or or there's something, uh, you know, you, your, your, your leg hits a rock. Or multiple opponents. You end up on the ground a lot, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And you want to stand up again. Well, be an expert in positions. Then you know how to stand up. Now you know how to move your hip. Now you know how to bridge. Okay, let's let's. Okay, now you know what the underhook is. Let's start standing up. If you don't know these uh, terms, how are you going to stand up? What's your plan? To bench press him over you? I've heard you say that your focus in grappling, for instance, or in resting or whatever it is, is to be able to say the other person, the the attacker, maybe chooses the ground of the fight in the moment that person attacks you. So you have to be proficient enough in that area of fighting to not take the fight there. So you have to be good enough on the ground to stand up again. Exactly, you have to be good I'm enough saying. in boxing you, you to wanna, not get hit. Exactly. You want to know how you want to be able to stand up. Well, 
know what your enemy could do to you. The first rule of combat, sorry, the first act of war, I should say, is intelligence. Learn what your enemy is able to do to you. Mm -hmm. But if you never wrestled and you think you could stay standing just because you're box, you're in for a big surprise when he shoots your, into your legs. What you going to do? You have no idea how fast that is. And even if you hit him on the way in, so what? So what? You think it's going to... Now you're both down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. every punch is going to knock him out. Of course not. He gets hit, he, he still shoots him. So number one rule is, is intelligence. Know what your enemy is capable of. Know what his tools are so you can stop him. Mm-hmm. Right and like I said last time, you know, rules of combat and they never change. The battlefield changes, but the rules don't. And you want to have intent. You can't go into a fight blind. If I want to go into a, go into a war with another country, you have intelligence for that. How big is the army and what kind of tanks they have? Into the very smallest details. Okay, have maps. Yeah, sure. If you have an MMA fight, okay, let's watch the videos of the other guy. Let's see what he likes to do. Let's see how we can counter it. How we can put a game plan. Every fight, every fight's a different game plan. Mm-hmm. It should be the same thing. That's the rules of combat. So, okay, I'm preparing to fight against a... And in the street, it's even worse because... You don't know who you're fighting. You don't know who you're fighting. So you have to be able to fight anybody. (laughs) A boxer, a wrestler, uh, you know, a guy who likes to fight on the ground. Maybe it's a knife. Maybe it's multiple opponents. Yeah. Okay, so what could they do? And now that I know what he's capable of, A, I respect him a lot more. And B, I know how to fight it. But if I'm just going in there blindly and saying, oh, you know, I kick everyone in the bulls all day. No one can stop me. (laughs) Well, good luck. I think that's a great summarizing point. Um, so thank you for talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you for being here again. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week with a new episode. Bye-bye. Bye.